Up next on Seahawks Forever, rapid reaction to the Seahawks' 19-15 loss to the Packers. It was entertaining at the end, but preseason doesn't matter on the scoreboard, right? What matters is the battle for roster spots. We saw some really interesting things today. Did some guys lose their spot? Did other guys gain their spot? I'll give you my thoughts on guys who may have made a case for themselves today before roster cuts come on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. 19 to 15, the final scores. The Seahawks drop to 2 and 1 or finish the preseason at 2 and 1, losing in Lambeau Field today to the Packers. I'll give you my initial thoughts um, on the game as a whole and uh and who I think might have made the roster today. Some really, really cool things we saw from some guys that might have been in trouble or maybe that we weren't expecting. Uh, before we get started, though, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel on YouTube or whichever audio podcast app you prefer, and download the PSF app, Pro Sports Fans. It's available on Apple now, should be available by the end of the week on Android. It is an interactive uh, fan experience during uh, during games. I'll be Part of the team doing live game cast along with my former field goals co-host and co-host once again dana o'gorman um, follow me on twitter at seahawks forever for all the details about that um mark schlereth who worked the game for the seahawks uh does the preseason analysis said something really cool at the end of the broadcast today he said preseason games don't count but they matter and I don't know if he came up with that saying or if he stole it from someone else, but I'm taking it. They don't count on the scoreboard, although lots of fans will get pissed off about the most ridiculous things during preseason. I saw a little bit of it in uh, in the PSF app as I was live, live streaming today, but if I had been on Twitter for the first three quarters, I'm sure I would have seen it. People panicking about not being able to stop this player, that player, the run, or Play calling. Seahawks only threw on first down, I think, once in their first five or six drives. Um, it's preseason, guys. It's uh, The analogy that I use is it's like a pitcher in spring training. They work on stuff. When Pete Carroll comes out and, he, and he's trying to run it on first down, no matter what, the first five or six drives of a preseason game, it's not because he thinks that's the way they're going to win. It's because they're, that's something he wants to emphasize either because he needs certain players that are on the field during those reps to get run game reps or because he's trying to establish an identity. Don't forget, the Seahawks have been near the top of the NFL for the last several years running in first down pass rate. I'll say that again. The Seahawks throw the ball on first down as much as or more than most teams in the NFL. Uh, the offense just didn't look great in the first half, though. Um, no chunk plays, no explosive plays. But the defense wasn't giving them up either. Green Bay was on the field a lot more. The uh, time possession at one point was 2-1, to one, basically. Um, the, at halftime, I think the Seahawks had only run, with a couple minutes left in the first half, Seahawks had only run 18 total plays. Green Bay had twice that many. Couldn't convert on some third downs. Talk about individual aspects of that in a moment. Uh, it was late in the second quarter, though, that Seahawks went tempo. 
and no huddle. And Drew Locke really started to click in particular uh, and run the football with DJ Dallas. A couple nice inside runs from him. And then a certain receiver stepped up. Let's talk about individual performances because that's what this game was about. The biggest roster battles on this roster, defensive line, most notably second team nose tackle or defensive tackles. Receiver, and then maybe a little bit, a couple of spots at safety and linebacker. We might have gotten some answers today. First of all, receiver JSN out. We don't know how long. Is he going to be on the injured list to start the season? We don't know. What we do know is DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jake Bobo. It's amazing how Jake Bobo, maybe the story of the preseason, made himself indispensable. So much so that I was pissed today that he got so many reps. There was one play on the sideline where he got tackled low, and I thought, man, if he comes up hobbling from that, that's on the coaches. I don't like that he got so many reps. He's a guy that's not only made the team because of attrition, but through performance, and we need him to produce. Didn't like that he was on the field so much. But then that next group, trying to make that next spot or two. All undrafted free agents from this year or last. Kay Johnson, Matt Landers, Aesop Winston Jr., Uh, sounds like Dariq Young might have to have hip surgery. He's out of the mix. Cody Thompson still banged up. He might have a spot locked down. He's been with the team a long time. Team really likes him. Tyjon Lindsay didn't see much out of him today. So who stepped up? Uh, Bobo early with a couple of nice plays, including a, a 18-yard touchdown on a beautiful throw from Drew Locke. Backpedaling under pressure a little bit. Bobo, another nice route. Runs a little flag route to the back pylon. Beats his guy. Touchdown, Jake Bobo. Uh, second half, though, it was Aesop Winston Jr. really stepping up. The former Coug. Um, he had the great game against the, the Vikings. Had a touchdown from Drew Locke in that game. Three catches for 74 yards. Big play to get him down near the end zone late in this game. Uh, Winston's a guy that I've liked for a while because of, you've heard me say it on the show before, um, he's he's fast enough, he's big enough, he's a good enough route runner, he's shifty. Good hands, in particular, contested catches. Catching the ball in traffic. Very reliable. As he was for Mike Leach in the Air 8 offense at Wazoo. Very high volume offense. He was productive there. He can also return kicks. Aesop Winston, of those guys, had the best day. May have had the best preseason overall. First time we've gotten to see Kay Johnson since uh, he went out in the Minnesota game with the, con the concussion. Didn't help his case. There was a third down play where Drew Locke was rolling to his left, uh, third and long, and made a throw to the sideline that drifted a little bit on him, but it was catchable. And when you see the replay, you see the inability of Kay Johnson to drag his back foot because it was there. That play was there to be made. DK Tyler, JSN, Jake Bobo, they make that play. Needed it then. Caught the ball, didn't attempt to get his second foot in. 
That's a lack of a body control awareness that you have to have in this league if you're trying to make a statement and make a roster. And then Matt Landers uh, had a third down, about a third and 10, ran his route short of the sticks. Locke throws a perfect ball to the outside and he drops it. Can't have that. Can't have that if you're trying to make a roster. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So if I'm going back to my 53-man roster projection like I had the other day, I had Kay Johnson on it. I might drop Kay Johnson out and put Aesop Winston on it. I think he's a more versatile player. He just looks like a pro. Tweeted that uh, during that drive. He just looks like a pro. I've thought it for a couple of years. I've thought there's a spot in this league for Aesop Winston. And that he can contribute. Uh, not much out of the running game, save for those couple of nice runs out of DJ Dallas. Four for 43 for him with a long of 27. Uh, seven rushes, 17 yards for Sir Roderick Thompson. Uh, he did have a long of 11. Really nice play where he, he cut it to the outside. And as a guy took an angle, it was a third and long. Little stutter step to lose the guy and get the first down. If Kenny McIntosh isn't able to go week one or needs to end up on the on the injured list, Sir Roderick Thompson... Um, I think has shown something this preseason has made his case. Um, where this game to me was really, well, it's, I don't want to move off the offense until we talk about the quarterbacks a little bit. Uh, Drew Locke, again, didn't do anything spectacular today. But I think that speaks to how well he's doing. That he, he's, he's making it look pretty easy and natural out there. Hit the big play late to Winston to get him close. The, the play that I mentioned to Kate Johnson that should have been a completion for a long third down conversion where he's rolling to his left, that's something, you know, it's not really his forte throwing on the run. I just think Drew Lock, Drew Locke, if there's, if there's a word that I would use to describe what I saw from him this preseason, it was comfortable. Another word I would use is capable. I think if Geno Smith were to go down this year, I think you can expect to win games with Drew Locke. Mark Slareth said during the telecast, he looks like an NFL starter. He, he actually said he is an NFL starter. If this is what they continue to see from Drew Locke this year and the way he carries himself in practice and commands the offense and whether he gets a chance to play this year or not, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in 2024 because as much as the Seahawks might want to continue to bring Drew Locke back as they did Geno Smith year after year with the idea that someday he'll be the guy, Drew Locke may be turning heads around the league and may find himself an opportunity to start somewhere next year. And if that were the case, then the Seahawks would have to make a decision of do we want to compete contractually on more of a long-term deal to bring him back to a place he's comfortable? I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's how good Drew Locke has been this preseason. Uh, and then Holt Naylor, I thought this was an interesting decision. I said so on Twitter. 
Seahawks had a chance to win the game down four with two minutes left, and Locke has played the entire game. That's when they bench him and bring in Holton Aylers. Thought that was an interesting call for a couple of reasons. One is that Locke's played the whole game. He's your primary backup. Don't you want him to get that live game rep? Don't you want him to get that experience running a two-minute offense with a chance to come back and win the game in case he has to do it because he's more likely to be in that position during the regular season? And if you're going to play Holt Nailers in that game, I wanted to see more of them. I, I, I wanted to see the whole fourth quarter. Here's what I think may have happened. I think that might have been the plan. But because the offense struggled so much to keep drives going and because they just didn't have very many snaps, they wanted to get Drew more reps. And so they pushed it back. But then they saw an opportunity. Hey, it's preseason. Let's see what this kid can do in a two-minute. And he did some really cool things. You know, ran a little bit again. Drove the team down with two minutes left uh, to about the 10-yard line. Then he threw an interception in the end zone with 17, 13, 17 seconds left. You know, trying to make a play there, forcing the ball in. I don't hold that against him. Um, didn't look like there was a lot there. Holt Naylor showed some things this preseason. I certainly hope that he's able to get to the practice squad. I don't see another team claiming him. They would have to put him on the 53. I think when you look around the NFL these days, the teams are pretty deep at quarterback with guys that they like. Most teams only carry two now anyway. And there's so many players that are going to be on the waiver wire come Tuesday. Um, you know, Seahawks only carry three. That's the anomaly around the league. I mean, you look at the Arizona Cardinals have five quarterbacks on their roster right now. Um, so I think Ehlers is going to get to the practice squad and, and I'm really excited to see his development. Ironically, the guy he was going up against in the fourth quarter for Green Bay was Alex Magoo, the former Seahawks seventh round pick who won MVP last year in the USFL. Uh, he did some cool things, had a really nice deep ball. Um, you know, Packers have a decision whether they want to carry three or not because Sean Clifford, the rookie out of Penn State, six-round six draft pick, has won their backup job there. Um, but I thought it was a little ironic that Ehlers was going against Magoo because they, they wanted to keep Magoo around and develop him, but he saw a better opportunity in Jacksonville after his rookie year, turned down the Seahawks' offer of a futures deal, and went there. Uh, but Ehlers has shown some really cool things, and I hope they get a chance to develop him. Um, kind of a funny story. If you look at the last video, the roster projection I did with Adam Emmert, where I talked about this very thing that, you know, they're not going to carry a third quarterback on their 53. They never have. They're not going to now. Um, and, and I referred to Ehlers as a borderline NFL prospect, which literally he is because the Seahawks aren't going to keep him on their roster. So, so literally the definition of borderline prospect. Um, and I had a guy write a paragraph in my comments about what an idiot I was because I don't know. I may know football, but I'm, I don't know Holton Ehlers, and he's going to do whatever it takes to succeed. Uh, A, and I commented and replied and, and told this gentleman this. A, uh, you think you know, but you don't. I've been wrong and right about so many quarterbacks in my lifetime. And so have NFL GMs, right? Look at the bus list. You don't know. My best friend in college, someone I spent every day with for years, was best man at my wedding, was a first-round draft pick in the NFL. 
I thought he was going to be a superstar. Four years later, he's out of the league. I thought Ryan Leaf was better than Peyton Manning. You don't know. Nobody does. But also this gentleman seemed to miss the two entire episodes, basically, where I talked exclusively about Holt, Holt Nailers and how encouraged I was by him and how much I liked him and thought he was the, f- the, m- the first legitimate developmental quarterback prospect that John Schneider and Pete Carroll had brought on board in their tenure. So a uh, cool way for that game to finish. But the most fun to me, and, and maybe in this sense, um, it wasn't a terrible thing that the offense couldn't stay on the field because we got to see more of the defense. And there was some really cool shit happening over there. That second team defensive line continued to impress. Tyreek Smith and Derek Hall on the edge. And then some combination on the interior of Matthew Gotell, Jacob Sykes, and Roderick Perry. Consistent pressure from those guys. And then we saw some more of of what we've been told to expect more of in this scheme, which is stand-up linebackers on the line. We saw John Radigan doing that a lot today. That's the role that Bobby Wagner is going to play. We're going to see more of that out of Bobby. And I can't wait to see that. I think he's going to get after the passer a little bit. Um, Tyreek Smith continues to consistently stand out. His motor, quickness, strength, athletic ability shows up on almost every play. Didn't get any sacks. No, but there were no sacks in this game today. But there was consistent pressure. Jordan Love had to move around a lot. And I'll say this about Jordan Love. I thought he looked good today. He showed me something. I didn't know how mobile he was. And not just mobile running around haphazardly, but with a purpose. Converted a couple of third downs and threw on the run. Uh, Jordan Love looked really interesting. Also keep in mind that Green Bay was playing a good portion of their offensive starters against our defensive backups because they wanted, they needed Jordan Love to get more reps before game one, before the bullets start flying for real. They had different intentions in this game and different goals. And the Seahawks still, their second unit defense hung with them, kept the game close. Um, so Tyreek Smith, Derek Hall flashed a couple of times, almost got a sack uh, where he showed off all that combination of speed, power, tenacity, those long arms. But on the interior, the guy who stood out to me the most was Gotell. Uh, the local kid played at Lakes, I think. Small school, undrafted free agent, 340 pounds. The only guy on the roster that looks like him. Kind of reminded me of Al Woods on one play where he split a double team. This is the thing. Small school, 340 pounds. Maybe you just are used to taking up space and that was good enough for you at that level. He was going up against NFL blockers, albeit second, third stringers, and and splitting double teams, beating blocks, and then got to the ball carrier and brought him down behind the line of scrimmage. He had two tackles for loss today. I think he may have made this team. Jacob Sykes continued to play well. Roderick Perry flashes at times, but Sykes and Gotell consistently, more consistently show up. On the next line back, uh, Devin Bush got shaken up today. Hopefully that's not serious. Um, he looked okay walking off the field. They had a towel on his forehead. Maybe he got poked in the eye or maybe he was uh, got concussed a little bit. He looked fine. Joey Blunt 
after making a couple of plays early in this game, left, it looked like they were looking at his shoulder. No other major injuries, though. That's good news. Um, but another guy that stood out on the next level is John Radigan, where to me, he kind of looked like just a guy throughout the preseason. And actually, Patrick O'Connell, the, the rookie undrafted free agent out of Montana, who also started in this game, looked better than he did. And O'Connell looked good today. But Radigan, I thought, really stood out. Let's look at the tackle numbers. He led the team with 12 tackles, seven of them solo and one for loss. He was always around the ball. He was coming off blocks. There was one of those plays I'm talking about where he was standing up on the interior defensive line at the line of scrimmage. There was a run play and he just dove into the tackle. He looked, or into the pile, he looked like a defensive tackle the way he went after that and got in on it. Really impressed with John Radix. It's going to be hard when you look at the roster overall and you start getting into these battles, it, it's not so much, well, we're going to keep five corners. Who's the fifth corner? It's, do you play around with certain position groups that you feel you're deep at in order to add a spot elsewhere? With Jordan Brooks being healthy and Pete Carroll saying he's good to go and he's going to play week one. Can you justify with some of the other battles on this roster, a fourth linebacker, a fourth interior linebacker? If you do, it's Radigan. I think he's won the job, and O'Connell will be on the practice squad. Uh, really impressed with him today. Um, he took a lot of flack in the first half, um, but I thought <laughs> Mike Jackson ended up with an interesting game. Seven tackles, five solo, two passes defensed. Uh, and another guy that I think kind of might have resurrected his chances because they seemed to be wobbly last week is the six-round draft pick out of New Mexico, Jarek Reed. Six tackles, two tackles for loss. Had a pass breakup that was absolutely textbook. Reading the route, breaking on the play, closing ground, ball skills, knocking the ball away. Struggled with some missed tackles last week, but Jarek Reed stood out. Absolutely stood out in this game, and that was good to see. I don't know if the Seahawks are going to keep enough safeties. But Jarek Reed made a statement today. Uh, Levi Bell wasn't, didn't stand out as much. Today didn't have the splash plays that he's had in the first two weeks of the preseason. But still, you know, looked the part. Looked the part. Was around the ball. His motor, his tenacity. Those things are cool to see. So those are my thoughts on the game today. Um, much more to say about this over the next couple of days. Join me tomorrow. Brian Nemhauser, Hawk blogger, founder, and longtime uh, Seahawks writer uh, that I have followed for a very long time. Has kind of built an empire out of once was a humble little blog at one point. Always have admired his work. And of course, he's on the Real Hawk, Hawk Talk podcast with my co-host Dana. Uh, my co-host from PSF and formerly of Field Goals. Um, Brian's going to be on the show tomorrow. I can't wait to get his thoughts on this game in more detail and on what he thinks the Seahawks are going to do about their roster heading into Tuesday. Here's how it works. One o'clock Pacific time Tuesday, uh, teams in the NFL have to be down from 90 to 53. Some of those cuts will start leaking out Monday. And there may be some trades too. Teams are going to maneuver to maybe make a deal for a player at the back end of a roster. They feel like they can help them, but they, they want to get them before they're exposed to the waiver wire. Vested veterans, four years and over in this league, 
immediately become free agents on Tuesday. Um, everyone else has to pass through waivers and then they will be available to sign on Wednesday. Once teams place you on the final 53, one o'clock Tuesday, they can then put you on the injured list and designate you to return. That may be what happens. Seahawks could be looking at doing that with Mike Morris, potentially with Daryl Taylor, potentially with Cam Young, Kenny McIntosh, JSN. Those are guys, unfortunately, a lot of those guys are from that draft class, right? Those are guys that um, could be candidates for that. So I will try to react to anything I can as it's breaking, but I might do it in a couple of ways. If you have Apple right now, get that PSF app because if, if something big happens at 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, um, you know, Seahawks release Drew Locke. Holt Nailers is, is going to be the backup quarterback. I may uh, start a live stream and just go live in the app first before I do anything here on the Seahawks Forever channel. So that's the plan for next week. Uh, Brian Nemhauser tomorrow, and then as we go throughout the week, uh, everything about the roster and roster finalization and roster changes. Because remember, just because it's finalized, air quotes, on Tuesday, doesn't mean it'll be that way Wednesday or Thursday. Now more than ever, because teams have that extra week before week one. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Like this video. Subscribe to the channel. Let's get to 3,000 by week one, shall we? As always, forever and always, go Hawks.